Amen. Amen. Well, let's all remain standing as we get ready for the Word of God this morning. You guys excited for the sermon this morning? I know that. I prayed through this sermon. And I hope I don't embarrass you too much today, Mom. (laughs) We're going to go to John chapter 16, verse 16, as we continue our series on emotions. John chapter 16, beginning at verse 16. And this is what the Word of God says. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But a little while after that, you'll see me again. And some of the disciples asked each other, what did he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you'll see me, and I'm going to the Father. And what does it mean, in a little while, we don't understand. I want you to notice what they said. We don't understand. Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, so he said, are you asking yourselves what I mean? I said, in a little while you won't see me, but a little while after that you will see me again. And I tell you the truth, you're going to weep, you're going to mourn, over what's going to happen to me. And the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. And someone needs to hear this this morning. Your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into this world. Let's pray. Father, bless this word in Jesus' name. And I ask, Father, as we get into this word, that you would bless every woman every child, every mother, and even every man in this room this morning. As we talk about this emotion, Lord, I pray that through a mom, we would understand how You operate in our lives. Now use me and speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this part three of our series, Emotions, dealing with how you feel We're going to talk about the emotion of sorrow. And as I was thinking about this emotion of sorrow, I started thinking about Mother's Day. I remember as a child, maybe you remember this, but one of the games that children love to play most, at least I remember playing this, see my parents on Friday nights, they would go to choir practice, which meant all the kids were together in church. And every Friday night, we would, pr- we would really play an intense game of hide-and-go-seek. You may remember that game. Now, some people cheated, and I remember being really, really good at this game in church. But see, I was thinking about this game as a child, because as we got ready and everyone was just running for their lives to hide somewhere great... I remember sometimes I'd be the one to count down. 
And as I count down, getting ready to find everyone, what I remember most was saying, three, two, one. And here's the phrase you always had to say. Ready or not, here I what? Come. Say that with me. Ready or not, here I come. And some kids were ready. They found the good spots. Other kids were caught off guard and out right away. They were caught by surprise. And others had a tough to find a very good place to hide. And some of them even hid in some pretty tough places. But see, as I was thinking about this game, no matter what the situation was, when that countdown was over, and you said, ready or not, here I come. It didn't matter where you stood. The game started. What a picture of children. When they're in that womb, there's a countdown happening. And when that child comes into the world... I believe through heaven there is a bunch of angels saying, ready or not, here they come. And sometimes you're caught off guard. You're caught by surprise. In other words, you weren't ready for it. You weren't planned. But ready or not, there they came. Some parents were ready for it. They had enough money saved up. They had the nursery painted. They had all the toys ready. They had the baby shower all done. And everything was ready for that day. And ready or not, here they came. Some parents had it tough. Maybe you were a young parent. And you weren't ready for a child. Ready or not, there they came. You had it tough because maybe money was tight. And you weren't sure how you were going to raise this child. But ready or not, here they came. You had it tough because maybe the child had physical problems. Maybe the pregnancy was rough. But ready or not, There they came. Maybe you're a single mom. The father wasn't around. But ready or not, here they came. When a child comes into this world, What I really believe, I'm not even a parent. But my twin brother is a dad. And my sister-in-law is a mom. And the look of panic (laughs) when that time was counting down and that nervous laugh Danny has, (laughs) that nervous laugh Because ready or not, 
Here He comes. But here's the truth. I believe most parents would agree with me. You never really feel ready or qualified to raise a child. You never feel, no matter how ready you might feel, you never truly feel ready or qualified to be a parent. But here's the ironic thing about all of it. The Bible says that before a child is even in the womb, God already knows them. You see, right, even right now, this week, there's a big debate about when life starts inside the womb. And there are many people trying to put an end to the child before it's even born. And there's a big battle in the Supreme Court right now. And God has the last word. And we're going to see God come through with that one. But see, God says before a child is even inside the womb, it already has life. Because I already know who they are. I know what they're going to become. I know the gifts I put inside them. I know their likes and dislikes they're going to have. So how dare we say life does not start? God says it has always started because they've always been on my mind. But you never truly feel ready. But here's what's amazing. Of all the mothers God could have chosen, He chose you for that child. Think about that. God knows that child. God knows everything about that child. And God also knows the perfect mom for that child. And you may not feel qualified. You may not feel ready. You may feel undeserving of it. But God chose you. In fact, Psalm 139 Verse 13 says this, You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are the works and my, no, my soul knows it very well. Notice what the Bible says here. That God formed your inward parts. And here's the key word. He covered that child in the womb. And that word cover literally means to overshadow and protect. So God chose that mother's womb to be a hedge of protection, to overshadow and guard that child from harm since the womb. And here's the thing, that when that child comes out of that womb, I believe this is why a mother's instinct is still to overshadow and protect her child the rest of their lives. God chose that woman to protect and cover that child. And here's the truth about that. 
This is why grown up doesn't mean a thing to a mother. Can I get away? The mom says, Amen. Grown up doesn't mean a thing. Let me tell, let me speak to my younger people here. You are wasting your time. You are wasting your breath. You are wasting your energy telling your mother or father, I'm all grown up. You are wasting your precious life telling your mother something she does not believe. She will never acknowledge. Grown up doesn't mean a thing. Moms, am I right? That's why I'm full grown, married, and still, my mom asked, did you eat? (laughs) She still says to me and Jerrica, after we leave the house, text me. When you get home, to know you're fine. And she'll still ask me, how are you feeling? It's in the mom. Because God says in the womb, you overshadow and protect. And God doesn't say that that stops after they're outside the womb. It's a mother's nature to overshadow and protect. And as I started thinking about moms, I started realizing there are so many things I don't understand about you guys. There are so many things I don't understand about moms. And then I realized... Not only are there things I will never understand about mothers, but there are things that only mothers can understand. Let me name name a few. Can I do that this morning? But moms, they really do have power. They have superpowers, yeah. See, moms have the power to be great private investigators. I don't know how she did it. And I thought I was getting by her. But mama always knew he's up to something. It's too quiet in here. Who are you hanging out with? Who are you dating? What are you watching? What are you going? Let me see. She always knew. She knew by the sound of your voice, something is off. And she already knew. Moms have a great power to be private investigators. Here's something I never understood. Why is it a mother's saliva can clean the dirtiest of faces? When my face is dirty, I try everything, nothing happens. My mom just has to, eh, eh, gone. Is there power in that saliva that I don't know about? And they don't care where it happens. They will grab you and stick it on you. And it always worked. Here's another power. 
the power of the look. They still have this power. Sometimes I'm preaching, I go offline, and she looks at me, oh, get her back, get her back on. They just have to give you that look. And the fear of God hits you. And you know you're in trouble when mom gives the look. How do they do it? Moms have the power to stretch. I don't know how moms do it, but you always knew how to stretch a dollar and buy what needed to be bought. You always knew how to stretch your arm because you would always be able to hit us in the car. You reached us, always. Mothers have the power to stretch. Never understood that. Mothers have the weird power to always just watch you. Why do mothers watch you sleep? Is that not frightening? They watch you sleep. They're watching you even when you can't see them. They watch what you're doing. They watch what you're watching. They watch who you're with, what you're wearing. They watch who your friends are. They watch the direction in your life. Mothers watch. And my favorite is that moms have the power to just be super. They have to be a super mom. Some of them have to be a super mom and a super wife. And no matter how super tired they are, they always get everything done. Mothers don't only have their own problems, they have the problems of everyone else on them. And I look at my mom with her problems and her health and whatever else, and on top of that, she has the problems of her children's lives. She has the problems of the church on her. She has the problems of the problems of the people that are problematic in church on her. She has the problems of the people's problem from our church on her. And whether it's bills that have to get paid and things that have to get organized, things that have to get bought, and David, you got to do this, David, you got to do that, I have laundry, I got food, I have this and that. For some reason, I know she is super tired, but she gets it done. Can we just acknowledge all the moms here this morning? You're not always going to understand mom. These are things that only moms could understand. And as I wrestled, because I thought, no, no, you know, I'm a pastor and I'm smart enough to figure this out. And I really thought I can make sense of all the moms here today. But then I remembered something my mom would always tell me. She would always said this, you'll never understand how much I love you until you have a child. And then she would finish it with this. Let me say that one more time. You'll never understand how much I love you until you have a child. 
And even then, you won't understand because there is nothing like the love of a mother. There is nothing like a love of a mother. We'll never understand it. And I don't need to understand it. All you need to understand is mom loves you. And when I realize, okay, mom loves you. Mom loves us. Mom loves me most. Mom loves me. And then I realize when a mom fights with you, it's because she's fighting for you. When a mom is watching you, it's because she's watching out for you. And when mom does something that gets the best of you, it's because she wants the best for you. And when your mom drives you crazy, it's because she's crazy for you. Because there is nothing like the love of a mother. And the same is true about God. You see, I don't understand mothers. You'll never understand moms. And sometimes we don't understand God. And we'll never understand them. There are some things about God we're not going to understand. You're not going to understand what He's doing in your life sometimes. You're not going to understand what He's planning. You're not going to understand why He allows certain things to happen that seem unfair and unreasonable. You'll never understand God and cancer. You'll never understand God and abuse. You'll never understand God with the loss of a loved one. You'll never understand God with abandonment. Or a mom that should have loved you. A mom that should have been there for you. A mom that should have cared enough. And if God chose a mom for everyone, why did He choose that mom for me? I can't give you an answer for that. We'll never understand God when it comes to a rough childhood. What if you're not supposed to understand God? But you just have to know there is nothing like the love of God. Romans 8, 31 through 32. It says this. What shall we say about such wonderful things about these? If God is for us. Let me say that one more time. If God is for us. Say that with me. God is for me. God, say it one more time. God is for us me if God is for us 
Who could ever be against us? You want to know how much God is for you? You want to know how much God is on your side? Do you want to know how much God loves you? The following phrase is right here. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If you're ever questioning the love of God because of what's happening in your life, question no more by looking at the cross and knowing that God gave His only child, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins because He loves you so much. And if God is willing to give up His child for you, He will never give you up on this earth. And you might be going through a lot of things. There might be things going against you. But see, like a mom, God says, I'm not fighting you. I'm fighting for you. Because God is for us. And things in life are going to come up against you. People are going to come up against you. Disease is going to come up against you. Financial problems are going to come up against you. Problem children are going to come up against you. And it feels like life is coming up against you. And you're thinking, Pastor, I don't understand what is God doing? Why is God allowing this? You have to remember, He's for you. Life is hard. Life is disappointing. But look at what God says in Isaiah 66, 13 through 14. God says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. And when you see this, your hearts will rejoice. You will flourish. And the hand of the Lord will be made known to His servants. God says Himself, I'm like a mother. I comfort you. And the only reason a mother comforts a child is because of pain. Growing up, we had a lot of bruises. We were three boys. A lot of bruises, scars, broken fingers, cracked heads. And that was just one weekend. We would always run to mom. There she was, ready to comfort us. The only reason you comfort a child is when they're hurting. And the only reason God says, I will comfort you like a child, is because God is letting us know, in this life, you're going to hurt. And some of you are hurting right now. And you're hurting over the past. 
You're hurting over what someone did to you. You're hurting over someone you've lost. The only reason a mother comforts is hurt. The only reason, a second reason a mother comforts is because of disappointment. And I remember every time we were disappointed with something, we would talk to mom and ask why. My mom was just there to comfort us during heartbreak. My mom was there during the toughest times of my life and discouragement. And even in my own life, when I was down broken with tears in my eyes, and there was nothing you can say to comfort me, and there was nothing you can do to make things better, but just having mom there made me comfortable. And of all the things God could have used to describe Himself during a time that His children were going through so much suffering, He said, I am like a mother. The Lord will comfort you if you're hurting. The Lord will comfort you if you're disappointed. The Lord will comfort you if you're discouraged. The Lord will comfort you if you yourself are the reason there's so much pain in your life because of your choices. Mothers have a way of letting their children know, I will always be your mom. You will always have me. As long as I'm on this earth, you have a home. As long as I'm alive, you have me. This is why God says, I'm like a mom. Because as long as I'm here, as long as I'm in this earth, which I always am, you have me. That's why God will always overshadow you and protect you. And God said in verse 14 of Isaiah 66, He speaks in the future tense. Notice this. When you see me comfort you, He says, when you see this, your hearts will, there's the future tense, you will rejoice, which means right now you're not. You will flourish, which means right now you're not. You will. The hand of the Lord will be known, which means right now it's not. But God says, you're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. You're going to rejoice one day. You're going to flourish. You're going to see my hand on you. And some of you need to hear this this morning. You're going to be fine. Do you ever remember your mom telling you that? When you thought the world was over? The world was ending? She would grab you by the hand. And said, you're going to be fine. Some of you just need to know that today. 
You're going to be okay. You see, the disciples were regular human beings who trusted in Jesus like we do. They loved Jesus like we do and did their best to follow Him. And for three years, they followed Jesus. For three years, they served Him. For three years, they were there doing everything for Jesus. And Jesus, one day, near His time to go on the cross and die, right before His resurrection, He turns around to His disciples and says, I'm going away. And you're not going to see Me for a little while. But then you'll see Me again. And Jesus was talking about His death on the cross and His resurrection. And Jesus turns to them, imagine you're following Jesus for three years, you're believing in something great's going to happen for His ministry, you believe that God's going to do wonderful things, you've given your life, you've given everything up for Jesus, and now He turns around and says, you're not going to see Me anymore? Notice what verse 18 says here. The Bible says that in verse 18, they said, what does all of this mean in a little while? And here's the big key phrase. We don't understand. Imagine that. They looked to each other and said, we don't understand. And in verse 22, as a result of them not understanding what Jesus meant, what He said, what He was doing, they did not understand. The Bible says that Jesus in turn said this, You will have sorrow now, but I'll see you again. You will rejoice and no one will rob you of that joy. See, Jesus was preparing them. And notice what he said, because they did not understand. You're going to feel sorrow. And sorrow is an emotion that a lot of people don't talk about today. See, sorrow is different than just being sad, because sadness is just the absence of happiness. But sorrow is a feeling of distress caused by a problem, caused by a disappointment or a hurt. And that distress causes you to feel overwhelmed with worry, overwhelmed with fear, and even overwhelmed with confusion. And there is a lot of people that live today with sorrow. You see, like the disciples, maybe you're following Jesus, maybe you believe in Him, maybe you're doing your best to serve Him, but there are some things in your life that God is doing that you just don't understand. And it makes no sense to you. And because they don't understand, notice that they were feeling sorrowful. And maybe you're sorrowful today because there's things in your life you don't get why God is doing. And you're living with a constant state of worry. 
and you're worried and worried and worrying. You lose sleep because you're worried all the time. You're listening to this sermon, but you're worried right now. You live with fear and confusion. And if anything, the one question many people ask themselves when they're feeling the emotion of sorrow is what's next? What's going to happen? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? How are we going to get through this? That's sorrow talking. It's a type of distress that makes you feel hopeless. Even Jesus said to his disciples, you're going to feel sorrow. You're going to go through things that distress you. You're going to go through things that keep you up at night. And if you're feeling sorrow today, and you're thinking, what's next in my life? What's next for our home? What's next for our children? Well, what's next for our church? What's next for our marriage? What's next? What's going to happen? We don't understand. Sorrow can really rob you of your joy. That's what Jesus said. That sorrow will rob you of your joy. And it's hard for you to have joy because you're thinking about the things that distress you. You're thinking about the things you can't figure out. You're thinking about those things you don't know how you're going to get through. And the disciples, they follow Jesus, but now they're filled with sorrow because they don't understand what Jesus is talking about. How do you overcome sorrow? One, remember He's for you. He's for you. You see, in, in most boats and the GPS, there's a little button you can press that's called a distress signal. And no matter what storms you're going through, how rough the seas get, there's something about having that button on board that gives you a sense of comfort. That all I have to do in my moments of distress is hit that button and I know that help is coming. And you know that as Christians, we have a distress signal that God always picks up on. And God knows when you're crying. God knows when you're scared. God knows when you're worried. He knows when you're anxious. He knows when you're afraid. He knows why you're losing sleep. There's a distress signal that goes off to God. Because he's like a mom. And every child has a distress signal. 
And when my mom got a phone call from school, that bear came running. Claws and all. Because there's a distress signal that says, my child needs me. And God says, you're going to have sorrow. You're going to be in distress. But I comfort you. And you need to know I'm for you. God's not against you today. Second, if you feel the emotion of sorrow and distress, look at verse 22, what he says. He says, you're going to have sorrow now. The second Jesus said now, he finished it by saying, but I will see you again. See, Jesus was honest and he said, there's going to be a point, that point, you're not going to see me. You're not going to understand. And sorrow is going to fill your minds and fill your hearts with worry and fear and doubt and panic even. And maybe this morning you've hit that point that you don't see God in your life right now. And things make no sense and you don't understand. But Jesus said, you will have sorrow now. But I'll see you again. And you'll rejoice. You remember as a child, your first day of school? And I remember all summer long we were with mom, and all summer long she had an activity planned every day, and we go to the beach, and we do crafts, and we go shoot water balloons. My mom was cool. <laughs> But the first day of school was bittersweet. Because I knew for that period of time I wasn't going to see her. And sometimes there'd be tears. Remember that, Mom? She would say, I'll be right here, right after school. And she would let us know you'll see me again. And if anything happens, you call on me. And that's why God says, I'm like a mother. Because there are seasons in your life you're not going to see Him. But you'll see Him again. And Jesus says this in verse 22. You'll have sorrow now. How do you overcome sorrow? You first know that God is for you. And second, you know 
that the minute Jesus said now, he was saying that sorrow is temporary. It's temporary. The pain you're going through is temporary. The season you're in right now is temporary. And you're going to see God work again. In fact, Jesus says to his disciples, you're not going to see me for a little while, but in a little while you'll see me again. Meaning this is called a transitional promise. A transitional promise is a promise that God makes that this season in your life is going to transition and change for you. But here's the biggest lie we tell ourselves during seasons of sorrow. Two words. Always and never. It's always going to be like this. It's never going to change. I'll always have this problem. I'll never get out of this. Things will always be hard for me. I'll never get a break in life. I'm always going to suffer. God will never bless me. And you need to take those words out of your mouth if you're using them to discourage you. Because you say, right now, God will always love you. God will always watch out for you. God will always provide. God will always make a way. And God says, I will never forsake you. That's what you have to tell yourself. Sorrow is temporary. God is for you. And lastly, we'll close with this. Jesus looks at his disciples who don't understand what God is doing, who are going through a season of discouragement. And in verse 21, he says this, It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. How many of you remember that and miss those days? It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. And when her child is born, her anguish transitions to joy because she has brought a new baby into this world it's amazing how a woman can go through such anguish pain the second that child comes out it's like that pain never happened and they actually, some women are crazy enough to do it all over again. Because they know the pain is worth it. And here's what I don't get. Jesus is talking to 12 grown men. who are discouraged, who are confused, who don't know what's next, who don't understand what Jesus is doing. Have you ever been there? 
And they've given up so much for this, this Jesus that now he's saying he's leaving us. And Jesus rounds them up to encourage them. Now, if you ever want to encourage a man, you might say you have to be as tough as a warrior. I'm a warrior. You, you need to be as courageous as a soldier. You need to be as strong as an ox. Jesus says, nah. Guys, gather up. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. Oh, well, let's huddle, huddle, huddle. Take a knee, take a knee. Okay, okay. You guys got to be like moms. Come on, take a knee, guys. Take, what, what, Jesus? You're discouraged, right, Peter? You don't know what's going to happen next. No, Jesus, we're scared. We don't know. All right, all right, John, you're, you're terrified, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. John, all right, guys. On three. Be like moms. Be like a mom. You guys got to be as tough as moms to do life. You got to be as tough as moms to be in ministry. You got to be as tough as mom to follow Jesus. Of all the examples he could have used to encourage 12 men, he used a mom? Yes. His mother have a, they have another power I didn't mention before. And it demonstrates during that time of labor. And it hurts. And you look at that man that did this to you. And you grab on. And a mom has the power to just keep pushing. And I believe that Jesus looked at these 12 grown men who were sad and discouraged and hopeless and confused and worried and afraid and discouraged and disappointed. And he said, you got to be like a mom and keep pushing. And the only reason a mom keeps pushing it's because she knows there's something inside her that's going to come out and it's going to give her the greatest joy she's ever had. That's why Jesus says, you're going to have sorrow right now, but it's going to turn to joy. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But weeping lasts the night. But joy comes in the morning. And before you get to that season of joy and breakthrough where you see what God finally brings out, you have to go through a season of enjoying the pain of life and just keep pushing. Because there is a transitional promise, God says, in labor. There's pain. There's sorrow. There's agony. But then it transitions so quickly that you're hit with overwhelming joy when you see that baby out of the womb. 
God says, that's what I do in your life. If you can keep pushing, you're going to make it to that transition where you finally see what I bring out. And God turns everything upside down. And when God turns everything upside down for a season, He turns it right back around. That's why, if you ever notice, the word mom turned upside down is wow. Because when God is done, you're just going to say, wow. And when Jesus died on that cross, they were scared. They were confused. But when he resurrected, and they experienced that transitional promise, Everyone just looked at Jesus and said, wow. And if you want God to wow you, you have to keep pushing like a mom. Can all my moms stand up this morning and come to this altar today? So I want to pray over you today. All my mothers, come on, come forward. All my moms, look at all the moms here. Ladies, doesn't it feel like the pushing never stops? You're pushing through things right now. Keep praying and keep pushing. Amen? Keep praying and keep pushing. I want you to do me a favor this morning. Look at your neighbor, give him a little push and say, that's what you got to do in life. Just push. Come on, push them hard. Push them hard. Come on, push them. And say, that's life. You got to push it. And happy Mother's Day. <laughs>